This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Green and White brought to you by Argyle Life. We reconvene on the day that the government sent out a severe emergency alert to everyone in the country, but there is a genuine emergency unfolding in the southwest as Argyle retain top spot and look in danger of going up. Joe Edwards is back among the goals as Argyle deliver a 3-1 schooling of University FC's finest. As we're recording, we're waiting to see if Bally Mumba and Stephen Schumacher pick up individual accolades at the EFL Awards tonight. But once again, I am joined by Finley Allen. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thanks. All good. Sam Down, how's things? Very good, indeed. And Dan Ellard, last but not least. Indeed, hello. Uh, who wants to run us through uh, Saturday's win first? Sam? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I, yeah, really good. Um, well, what, first of all, one win closer, one, one win nearer to that, to the magic total that we're going to need. Um, really good performance. Uh, for the most part, going forward. Um, I think, I think that's good because I think a lot of the games in recent times have been, um, just grinding them out. Um, not necessarily playing amazingly, like. Probably deserving the wins because we're still out creating them, but, but grinding them out and not not really having many good patterns to play. Saturday was different in that we had some really lovely patterns of play going forward, some some good team football, which resulted in the chances for three goals that were were all well taken uh, finishes. Um, I think having Adam Randall back in the team it, it, it's huge. I think that he he makes players around him play better. He 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 always finds the the right pass to link play up. Um, uh, yeah, so he's a big bonus, but I, I think just other players were, were very energised, and I think maybe having the the confidence boost that those two away wins have given us um, made made us made us play better, and it, it was it was more cohesive. It was more like the wins in the first half of the season, whereby the performances were were to be enjoyed as well as the results. Whereas in, in recent weeks, there maybe haven't been quite so many of them. So that was that was a pleasure. It was. Um, Madly, it, it it almost felt like we chucked away points when when Sheffield Wednesday got a winner. I know that's a totally irrational feeling; it's nothing to do with our game. But how good would it have been to be recording this, knowing that a win on Tuesday and and the champagne corks would be popping? But obviously not to be. But still, still in a very very good position, and yeah, very happy. 
the long story short is that we just can't trust Exeter to do anything right. No, absolutely. Yeah, well, they, they, they did beat Barnsley for us, didn't they? But that, that's about it. Exeter have got another chance, haven't they? Um, uh, when they face Ipswich next Saturday. So hopefully, you know, um, they can can get a result there. But blimey, Ipswich look unstoppable. Like, it was just one of those. The, the atmosphere was, as Sam says, absolutely electric when um, around pretty much the same time, I think, when... Um, Exeter went ahead and then a bit soon after we were ahead in our game as well and and yeah that was at that point it was blimey we're one win away here but um you have to credit Ipswich on Wednesday for just being relentless and Barnsley too who are off on 85 points I think is it now which which I think last season they'd be right in with a shout um for the automatics uh 85 with a few games to go so you have to credit those teams for just being completely relentless um but it's yeah it's it, so are we and what a fantastic um an incredible points total to be on uh with with three games still to go um we're now on more points than uh the last time we won this division 19 years ago um we're not quite going to get to the 102 we got a couple of years before that but we you know we whatever we end up on um, if we're the right side of the line, this goes down as one of the best seasons ever. And if we're the wrong side of the line, I think you have to say, fair enough, it's which on Wednesday or or maybe Barnsley. Um, they've somehow just outdone us because the team and the manager and the group of players have done an astonishing job to get 92 points in 43 games. Absolutely astonishing. Yeah, exactly. It's it's been um it's a phenomenal running. I, I tweeted yesterday about it's annoying that every other league seems to be like announcing their champions and we're like, you know, we're still three games off actually knowing who's uh, who's gonna lift that title. Uh, Finn, anything to add on the Saturday's game? Yeah, just on the performance, I felt that it's probably like the um best we performed in a few weeks. Um I know we've been getting the results, but I felt that I made a comment to the people that I sit next to, um, and I, and I said like against it was one all at half time, wasn't it? And I, but against Lincoln, um, it didn't feel like we we could be there all day and wouldn't have scored. Um, whereas it felt like chances chances were going to come in that game. And to be fair to Cambridge, I was actually surprised about how good of a footballing side that they were. Um, it, you know, comparative to their position in the table. Um, but it never felt sort of in danger that we were going to drop points in that game, even when um, it was one or what I thought I felt. I felt if we just kept going as we we did and we did, we we get we'd find the find the goals, and then once one came, you always felt that we could get second to finish it off, which we did. Yeah, Shuey back with the roulette. Six changes for this one: Lombard, Mumba, Randall, Mayer, Callum Wright, and Hardy. Definitely not had that written down. All back in the fold. Who impressed you most, uh, Sam? Obviously, you've already mentioned Randall in there, but Callum Wright was absolutely excellent. He was my man of the match. Um, always been a big fan of Callum Wright since he first came in. He's had a couple of tough games from the start where the team has just not been set up right, but but by and large, he, he's been an excellent signing. I think he's going to be one of our best January signings we've made of all time, uh, just in terms of making that impact midway through the season. Obviously, most of our, our great signings have been in the summer, but in terms of January signings, he's on the par with wet with the, the the season when Sarsovic and Taylor came in, got us over the line, and hopefully, hopefully, he'll be big part of getting us over the line as well. 
absolutely fantastic little shimmy in turn to get away from the defender for the first goal. And then one-on-one, it's a very cool, composed finish as well. So he, he did excellently throughout the game. He did well. He, he had a few good passes as well uh, to kind of get to other players in good positions. So, yeah, I'm a huge fan of um, Callum Wright. Um, I think like, the attacking performance was really good in general. I think the defensive performance was was not so great. I feel it, it kind of became a little bit needlessly a, a white-knuckle ride in the last 15, you know, uh, they, they seemed to kind of almost score about about te- about ten times in the last ten minutes, but yeah, from from, a, from um, going forward from that point of view, um, no complaints there. Yeah, you're right. It's absolutely excellent that little like that little getting in behind and that like little touch just to shift the ball like past the defender seems to be excellent. That like I, I definitely want to see him in the uh, in the ten role a lot more than the wing back role. So. Um, yeah, absolutely brilliant yesterday. Obviously, his goal's coming, technically coming 15 minutes apart. Yeah. Not sure if you've got a favourite of the two. <laughs> I think it's the, I think the winner it's Runes is one of my favourite moments of ever supporting <laughs> our goal. So it'll be very it'll be very tough to anything he does to ever beat that, unless maybe he scores the goal that gets us promoted. And I think even then it it might not be that, but we'll see. Obviously, the, the goal coming the 15th minute, how pivotal was that in terms of you know calming the nerves obviously I wasn't at home park but you know listening in it sounded a lot louder than usual it sounded like we were back to you know home park at its best yeah I I think Callum Wright touched on it himself um well after the game and he said like recently we we've actually struggled to break teams down um until late in the game and even when Cambridge scored it was like well, at least we're back to square one now. Like, we haven't gone behind. We're just back where we were kind of thing. So we just got to keep going. Whereas, like, recently, obviously, we've beaten these teams in the second half. And whilst we've got the job done, there wasn't the assurance of having that cushion to start with. Um, So I think it was really important, um, particularly as, you know, Cambridge are... You know, unlike Lincoln, who we were playing a couple of weeks ago, Cambridge are actually playing for something, and they're at the point in the season now where, if they go, if they go behind, they actually have to like try and like come out, and they can't just be like an off day and then like reset because they've got like two games left to try and stay up. So they had to go at once. We got out early. They had to push out, um, and then obviously they scored from that. But um, like I said, because it was one all instead of one nil, like. You know they couldn't just sit back, and it was it was a bit easier for us then because we've got enough quality ultimately to open it up. But it doesn't matter who you're playing; if there's ten people behind the ball, it's always going to be tough to break them down. Yeah, exactly. Do, do you think that they've got enough about them to stay up? Or obviously, we played Orkham, Cambridge, and Accrington in, in recent weeks. So, yeah, I mean, it's tough to say. I mean, I obviously, having I didn't watch the Accrington game. Um, but I, I think obviously they got a point from us at the um, earlier in the season, and I think Mark Bonner, to be honest, has done a terrific job there. Um, no one would have expected Cambridge to have been, you know, have have you know have, they were in the league last season, weren't they as well? Or, uh, yeah. So they last season and then this season, yes, they've gone on a bit of a poor run, but it says a lot about them, I think, that they're able to even put a little bit of a run together to give themselves a chance of staying up. Um, I think the, the quality down the bottom of League 2 um, isn't as good as it has been in previous years. Um, but having said that, um, 
like I said, I was I was surprised with how, how good they were. Um, and I think they've got a chance, yeah. Dan, obviously, we've got, we went in 1-1 one, one at half-time due to uh, Sam Smith's goal. Was there ever any doubt that we weren't going to pick up the win? Or, or, or were you like me, just, you know, with belief in this squad? Well, I thought the writing was on the wall uh, when he scored. Um Anyone know any other Sam Smith songs? I oh, right. I, but, I did wonder uh, if that was a Sam Smith reference, but... Um, yeah, uh, yeah, thanks. Um, uh, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it was... Um, it, as Finn says, it, it could have actually um, helped us that, you know, the game being open and Cambridge being in the um, situation that they are, that they couldn't just come here and just sit in a low block for 90 minutes. Um, when we did force them back, I think it was exactly that rather they you know they went into a low block because we kind of forced them back there through good build-up play um so i wasn't you know completely certain that we were going to pull it back but the the second half performance as sam said was was really good um and we did just force them back create a lot of good chances and put the game to bed so it was a slightly nervy um Half time, probably eased by the fact that Sheffield Wednesday weren't winning at that point either. Uh, had they been winning, I think the half time nerves really would have been there. Yeah, exactly. Um, obviously, it notes that Gillespie uh, appears to be on it appears to be on corner duty now. Do we think the Schumacher's listening to the scathing review that we gave Houghton and his deliveries on the, on this very podcast? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think obviously, I think Randall obviously coming back into the side um, yesterday meant that he was on a few more corners as well. I also think you you can't take away from the fact that Gillespie in the in the, well, I mean, even yesterday he had a cross in the game that basically went past everybody, but anyone with a touch on that and it probably in again. And you can, you know, we I know I know we've had problems with scoring from set pieces, so you can't. You can't take away that from that that cross. We all talked about Callum Wright's winner, but the cross, honestly, that was a, to to pick out that cross on Tuesday night under that amount of pressure and put it in that area was was phenomenal. And he's he's clearly got that um, that skill. And obviously, usually you'd want your centre backs in the box, but he's not particularly tall, so he's not really posing much of an aerial threat. So we're not really gonna be looking for him, I guess, as much. So if he's got that quality in his left foot, then why not try it, I guess, yeah. Joe Edwards is becoming a bit of a goal machine. Obviously not scored uh, not scored all season and gets two in as many games. How how big is his influence on this squad? I, th- I think he's, he, he's like, well, kind of like I said last week, I think he's been a huge influence in the sense that um, I'm kind of considering voting for him as player of the season just on the basis that um, he got a, he's, a, he's a representation of the team in the in, in in a season where all our best players have been kind of missed large spells. Whitaker through being recalled, Cooper through injury, Star through injury, Randall even through injury. Um, that kind of leaves us with not that many. It leaves us with Gillespie, and even he's missed quite a lot through injury. And um, obvious, obviously, obviously, uh, Danny Mayer maybe. And but I think we're going to go for Joe Edwards. Has, is, he, is he the absolute best, most quality player? Maybe not, but. Does he does he really represent everything about this overachieving, hardworking Argyle team? Yes, he does, and and I think in recent weeks he has really, really stepped up his his level of performance as well. He's put in some fantastic games. He was brilliant at Shrewsbury. Um, he was very, very good second half yesterday. I think in the first half he 
he didn't really bomb on enough, bomb on enough to join the attack. Sometimes we were left without many options down the right hand side, but second half he more than made up for it. Not only not only did he get up and down the line, uh, you know, brilliantly, but he really, um, obviously, you know, he scored that goal, and, and that was a really, uh, uh, well, excuse me, that was a really crucial and vital goal in, in getting the win done because. Like like Dan said, the nerves would would have been building a little bit. Um, obviously not so bad because Wednesday weren't winning. But if we had if we'd have drawn that game yesterday and Wednesday had have turned it around to win, how nervous would we all be going into tonight's game? Now we would have been, you know, we would have been behind them. Admittedly, with a game in hand, but we still would have been behind them. So that would have been very tough. Um, and yeah, that would be would would be a much less pleasant Sunday than the one we're currently having. So we got the crucial goal. And he's been a fantastic influence on the team. And like I say, if you could pick anybody who who represents the the, the, the passion and the determination and, and the, the striving for excellence of this team, it's him. Yeah, talking about striving for excellence, obviously Niall Ennis' introduction, uh, replacing Hardy sealed all three points. Obviously, we've spoken in length about uh, Ryan Hardy's recent drop-off. And, you know, I don't want to witch hunt Ryan particularly, but I'm going to jump ahead to... One of the Twitter questions in which Toby uh, just asks, uh, Ennis versus Hardy, yeah, should he have started? Should he start every game here on out? Based on yesterday, difficult to say. I mean, it's, it's always one of those that um, if if we're expecting a team to come here and just sit in a low block, Hardy's pace can't be used in behind. So then it brings Ennis, maybe even Cosgrove into play to, to start. Um, but then up against a high line, Hardy is fantastic. Um, he didn't have his best game yesterday. However, he did work his absolute socks off for an hour um, before getting subbed and he set up the first goal. So you have to kind of give him a a, a lot of credit for that, even if uh, a lot of what he tried didn't come off. Um, But the third goal the introduction of Ennis and then the interchange between uh, Ennis and Mumba for our third goal was was absolutely outstanding. A really, really good goal. Uh, really cleverly worked. Nice finish as well. Um, and as Sam said, you know, Cambridge had a few chances kind of later on in the game. Um, had that been at 2-1, you know, <laughs> you never know then, do you? So to have that comfort blanket was really important. Um, Ennis did well generally as well when he came on. Um, and to answer the Twitter question, <sighs> going to sit on the fence, to be brutally honest, because they both have their strengths. They are both very good members of this squad. And I'm glad that we've got them both because in their in their own ways, um, they can both be our first choice striker um, for, you know, on a kind of horses for courses basis. I would say there's a lot of merit in what Dan said, but I, I think overall when push comes to shove, if you are going to ask me, Say a name, I think it's better. I think I think it is Ennis. Uh, I think Ennis is just such an underrated uh, player, and I think the only reason—sorry to bring everything back to player of the season—but the only reason he's not on player of the season contention is again he's just not played enough minutes due to injuries and and the rotation. Honestly, when he's played, he has been almost universally fantastic. He he does the stuff Hardy does. He he brings up he he in terms of being able to score goals because I know he's got less goals than Hardy, but that's. That's a combination of two things. That's one, him playing less minutes than Hardy. And two, it's him not being on penalties. His actual open play goals per minute is far higher than Hardy's this season. He's far more likely to get an open play goal when he's on the pitch than Hardy is. So you have to factor in how good his goal scoring is. You also have to factor in how good he is at bringing others into play. 
uh, how, how good his passing range is, how good he's crossing is. Yes, against an ultra-high line when you need rapid pace in behind. In that scenario, I might favour Hardy. I might might favour even Wayne. But against a, a kind of normal League One team, when 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 all else when all else fails, if you're picking your best team for the biggest game, but if we were to, God forbid, get in the playoffs and and and, and get through the semis, and you want to pick your best team to win the playoff final, I think if Niall Ennis is fit, you pick him all day long. I just can't speak highly enough of him as a striker. I think he's a brilliant all rounder, and the only reason he's probably with Plymouth Argyle is his injuries, quite frankly, because he, he's absolutely fantastic when he's fit, but he's sadly not to the same level as Bolton or, or Miller or Galloway, but he's sadly injured too much to be to be kind of spoken about as one of the best players in the league just because he doesn't produce it on a regular enough basis. But yeah, he, he's fantastic and I'd, I'd have him starting on Tuesday night. Yeah, his, his goals per night as well is at 0.55, which is above... At Hardy zero point five is 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 xG per ninety uh, is lower than Hardy's, so you know you, you could boil that down so he finishes. That's that's part, it's part it's also partly down to Hardy gets penalties, right? Every penalty is a zero point seven six xG, so Hardy getting those penalties will, will naturally raise his xG. I'd have thought anyway. I think so with Ennis. Um... I, I I would kind of echo what Sam was saying, and I think he's the best all-round striker that we've got. Um, I think Cosgrove is the best finisher. I think um, Hardy is the best at getting in behind and sort of pure pace, sort of on the last line and defender. But in terms of Bruce, talking about all-round striker play, I would I would have a, and it's most days of of the week. Um, I just, I, I think I saw a tweet on Twitter today. It was like he, he's played, he, he's got, I think that's 10 goals for him now this season, despite only playing um, a full 90 minutes, I think three or four times, which is pretty impressive. And um, I just think he, he, because he's able to do a bit more than the other two in general, he just makes us a more balanced team and, to be honest, with with these last two games at home in particular, like we've been so good at home this season that teams aren't gonna want to come out and you know I think they'd be pretty stupid to actually come out and want to like attack us because we'll just exploit the space. So and where we've actually been vulnerable is you know losing losing the ball and then getting countered. So um, I think that's the way that um, particularly Burton Albion Bristol Rovers are probably gonna go about trying to beat us in the next two games. And um, if you if you're to be without being too harsh on Ryan Hardy, if you're playing a low block, I don't really see there's much space for him in the in the side. To be honest. but I understood why he started yesterday because Niall Ennis, as we touched on, his fitness hasn't been um, too reliable this season, and he had just played I think two nineties or close to it in a row. So I understood why Hardy started yesterday. Yeah. Uh, anything else to add on Cambridge that I may have missed before we move on to the Twitter questions? No, okay. I'm um, yeah, I'm just don't. Yeah, yeah, actually, I do. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think just um, just to say that I've, I've um, I'm a great believer in giving credit where it's due. And after having criticised him and, and moaned about him quite a bit in recent weeks, I just want to say what a good game Jordan Houghton had yesterday. Uh, broke up play very well. Um, yeah, I, I think part listen partly I think having Randall extra help because I think him and Randall 
complement each other. They kind of maybe make up for each other's weaknesses a little bit and they have contrasting styles. But I don't want to just, you know, credit Randall for Houghton's performance. He, he really stepped it up and he didn't really show any of the nerves. He he broke up play well. He, he looked to actually get it forward a bit more proactively than than maybe what he sometimes does. And just uh, just a really good um performance from him all round. Uh, so yeah, hopefully if he, he can keep that up for whenever he plays in the the final few games. So that was much more like the Houghton of the earlier stage of the season. Yeah, I'd echo that. Really, his decision making on the ball, especially, was was pretty much faultless yesterday. I'd say, um, really good to see. Obviously, with you know, um, nice to have four players competing for those two spots in centre mid. Now, what you always feel when it's three and you've got, you know, um, injury risks for any of them, or Matete is always a bit of a yellow card risk. Um, we look a little thin on the ground there. So to have that fourth option back is fantastic, and to have Houghton hopefully back on form is 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 fantastic as well. Really good yesterday. Yeah, whilst you mentioned those four options, do you think that Matete is now potentially the fourth because of his uh, likelihood to pick up a yellow? Like It feels like Shuey seems a bit reluctant to use him because he's a bit of a head loss at time. I think it's such a funny one about, about Matete, just because I think you, you've kind of got to think, those first few games when he came in, we were all just absolutely wow. He's our best CM by a mile. He can do it all. He can pass. I was saying it as well. He can pass. He can run. He's energetic. His decision making is good. The only thing was his tackles were a little heavy. But apart from that, we were all absolutely blown away by him. And then, then he got dropped for a couple of games. Then he came off the bench and then put in that absolutely extraordinary, extraordinary performance against Derby off the bench, where he just put in a, a near, a near almost a ten out of ten performance in the sub. And again, he, he just rarely started it. Then on the one time he did start against Lincoln, he he played okay. At, well, he, he played well at centre midfield, but then he got moved to right back, uh, as I've mentioned on there before, in a quite a bizarre decision. And naturally, he did badly there because it's not at all his position. So I, I kind of feel he's, he's just sort of sort just sort of fell off a cliff, really, from from, from kind of being wow, this is our best January signing. To suddenly, he's fourth choice CM, which is kind of mad, really, but I, I think it's where we are. I think it's the number of things. I think partly it's that uh, he, he is such a card risk. He, he is a risk of, of getting booked and obviously then being on a yellow. And I think the second thing, possibly relating to the first thing, is that he has just some games where he just sort of coasts to let the games pass him by quite a bit. Now, I wonder if being as, as um, charitable as I can, if, if that's just because he is... He is worried about being so full-blooded and then worried about committing fouls. He's maybe trying to stand off a bit more and he's not used to how to play that game and that maybe puts in some maybe ineffectual performances uh, when he starts and, and and maybe when he comes on as a sub, he doesn't worry about that so much, which is why so much better as a sub. So, I don't know. I'm interested to hear what you three think. It's a bit of a ramble, really, but it, it does just strike me as odd how he's gone from being the clear first-choice CM to... Probably being the fourth choice CM, almost without almost without any of us noticing it. The first thing I would say about um, about yesterday, in particular, it was Jordan Houghton's best game that he's had for a, for a while. Um, I think Randall's introduction into the side, back into the side, had a lot to do with that. I think um, when Matt Butcher's on the pitch, he hasn't got quite the the um, the passing range. Of um, of Randall obviously, and we've talked about Jordan Houghton's mentality before. 
and possibly that that puts a bit more pressure on him being the person that is the one that's trying to progress the ball forward. But maybe if you simplify the game for him with Randall on the pitch, it makes it better. I also wouldn't go as far as saying that Matete is falling off a cliff. I think we've got to be kind of aware here that he is on loan um, and he's on loan for a reason. Um, and that's probably because he's not a consistent enough player currently to, to play in the championship. And whilst having all the attributes, absolutely, to be able to play at a high level in the championship. Um, and I think, you know, I think every manager also has his kind of trusted lieutenants, if you like. And I think Jordan Houghton might be one of those for Stephen Schumacher, the amount of games that he's he started rightly or wrongly. Um, and if we're controlling, I, I, get, I get it, because if we're controlling the game as much, like, Matete is quite a full-blooded player and he will go sort of flying into tackles, but we don't necessarily need that if we're controlling the game. If we need a goal and we need to open up and then we need to create space, maybe he's the person to... But I think with this, is kind of a horses for courses thing. And we're so far into the season now, I'm not really too worried about whether Matete's unhappy about the amount of games that he's starting or not. I just want the, the right midfield for the right situation, really. Yeah, there's a there's a few things that I I can think of. Is it's, you touched on it there, Finn? That maybe it's that with Randall in the side, Houghton's job is simplified, so therefore he can he can do what he needs to do better, and he doesn't have to worry about Matete or you know Butcher's lack of. Yeah, I, I agree. His, his passing range isn't as good as Randall's, and you know Randall's is is incredible. So I don't expect anybody to be of that level. And then the other thing, maybe it's just, maybe it's just Shuey limiting his minutes saying look maybe he's not good enough maybe we need to take him back on loan next season <laughs> um you know get promotion done get him back next year but yeah um maybe that's just uh wishful thinking or maybe too well, much to i mean maybe i'm being really i'm being really controversial but if he is if he is just going to be a a bench player who, who comes on for the last you know between 10 and 30 is he going to want to come back for that and, and and indeed would we would we would we not want to maybe bring someone in who who is going to start more? And I, I feel it's absolutely mad thinking that that possibly, possibly the reason he wouldn't come back next season is because he's not getting enough minutes based on how brilliant he was that first three weeks of being here. But that might be the case. It might just be the fact that maybe we don't necessarily want him back, or, or he wants to, or he would rather, or if we do want him back as a as a rotation option, maybe he'd want to go somewhere where he gets more first team football. And I, like I say, it's just so crazy we're in this situation. How enamoured we all were of him, but. But then you can't argue with eight wins out of ten. So whatever's going on, it's, it's clearly having a clearly having a good outcome. Yeah, I guess it's. Um, I'll start. That's what I'm going to say. I'm gonna, I would still start him on Tuesday because uh, often with Schumacher, when he brings back a player from injury, um, he doesn't always start them two games in a row just to get them up to match fit and stop a reoccurrence. So I think we might see Randall start from the bench Tuesday, which I would understand. Uh, and obviously Butcher, we don't know if Butcher is going to be back fit, so I would probably lean Houghton and Matete. On Tuesday, then you've got Randall, who's a great impact sub to bring off the bench. Yeah, I, I was going to mirror that as well. I'd say I'd start um, Halton Matete Tuesday and then keep Randall for Saturday. So. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hold up. 
Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, let's move on to some of the Twitter questions. Apologies to uh, Jack Leslie, who asked a massive question about massively refreshing having a fully fit Randall back today. And he goes on to say about how uh, Houghton played well. Um, we've already covered that. Pard asks, who is our best midfielder and why is it Adam Randall? And Sam has already answered that. We've already answered Ennis against Hardy. Argyle chance back again, three questions in three pods. Um, have Argyle actually been really good in really good form in the past two months? Eight wins in 10 in the league, but it doesn't really feel like it. Why? Bolton is my simple answer because we had that really sort of crushing defeat at Wembley um, in the middle of it. And I think that's the reason why. Dan, was it you that, that put in the stat about the points in the in the chat? Um, what about the where we'd be if it was first goal wins? No, it must have been it must have been Nick or someone else then. Um, yeah. About uh, only Arsenal and Ipswich have taken more points in the last ten games or so. Yeah, it doesn't really feel like it. it doesn't feel like we've been in great form, but it just feels like we're a team that just pick up wins, which is promotion form, right? Well, I think the last two games have been kind of going more back towards the signs of of kind of really good, good team performance and and good football and and, and deserved wins. I think we did have to kind of grind, grind and graft for a fair while. And you think the kind of Accrington win, the Exeter win, uh, the Morecambe win, especially where we were poor for over an hour in that game. Um, so the the fact that we are now um, building up some good performances again to add to that I think is is kind of just building that positivity I think often you you can you can see how a team kind of scrapes wins but the performances aren't there and then inevitably the results start to follow you know the 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 draws and losses um so it's really encouraging to see that we have put in two I'd say not spellbinding performances um Tuesday and, and Saturday, but but good performances, deserved wins, and just gotta carry that through now. Five more points. Um I'm just gonna interrupt that by saying I have just seen a tweet which says that Mike Cooper has been named in the Skybet League one team of the season. So indeed I think Mumba's in there as well. Yeah, so so just to, it's all been it's all been announced that at the time of recording they're probably just about to announce the manager, uh, which is going to be big big meltdowns all over Twitter if they give it to McKenna. But um, yeah, Bally uh, Mumba is the official League One young player of the season. The team of the season consists of Mumba and also of Mike Cooper, which is just shows how incredibly good he has been, given that he's missed so much of the season and. Yeah, given that Cooper's sorry, um, missed so much of the season, it just shows how good he's been on the occasions where he has been fit. That um, he's got into that team of the season. I thought it would be maybe Walton or Trafford, but fair play. I'm delighted for Cooper and delighted for Mumba to get in and for winning young player of the season. We didn't have any players nominated for overall player of the season, which I think is probably fair enough because we're more of a unified success and great individuals. But um. Yeah, soon to announce manager of the season. Hopefully, will be Schumacher. There are some very interesting um, positional choices on this team of the season. 
Santos at left back, whilst Leif Davis plays centre back. Uh, Clark Harris in the ten behind Windus, and Collins out on the right, not on the left. That's um that's interesting, but who really cares? Um, yeah, it's good to see those two in there. Obviously, also good to see contempt for the running order. I was going to save the EFL awards to the end, but uh, so be it. Uh, whilst 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 we're on it, then let's um. Obviously, as as has been announced, um, Bally Mumba, League One Young Player of the Season. Obviously, we've we've waxed lyrical about several in the squad over the last few podcasts. But who who wants to give a who wants to have a few words on Bally? I will, if you want. Go on then. Um, oh, I I think he's been a kind of like he, he's sort of been last season. We obviously had a very good season. Um, and we talked a lot about, yes, the team and, you know, how well we've done this season. And although that is very, very, very much true, I do believe we've had a bit more of a sprinkling of, um, shall we say, um, X factor in our team this season, which has really pushed us on. And I think a big re- one of those um, players or that X factor, one of them has been um, Bali, Bali Mumba. Um, I mean, he's just capable of phenomenal moments and when he's on the pitch, even if he's not having a good game, you, you always have the hope that he will um con- contribute something. Um and maybe in the last few weeks, like he hasn't quite hit the heights that he, he did earlier in the season. But even so, like, you know, he's such a threat every time he gets down um the right or the left hand side, whatever whatever position he's playing in on the day. Um and you know we saw that again yesterday. Um, I, I I have progressively seen why Norwich loaned him out. I was at the start of the season. I was like, why why are they why are they loaning him out? But he he has got a bit of, bit of work to do on his defensive side of the game. But he really thrives in our in our system definitely. Yeah. The the cruel irony of it is, as me and Sam were chatting about beforehand, this probably is going to make the same point. Was that you could easily argue, and I'd probably go against what you were saying there, Finn. Is that he he has played very well in our system, but I feel like if we did play a four-two-three-one or similar every week, he'd be even better. He's not a conventional winger as such, but I think if he did play in a kind of wide midfield role, uh, or just just a, maybe like an inside forward role or something like that, um, I think that would be his best position. So you could actually say he's had this brilliant season with us whilst playing in perhaps a position that doesn't suit him perfectly, at, admittedly a very attacking wing-back, but still at wing-back. Um, where he plays you know, throughout the rest of his career will be interesting. Obviously, I, as Finn says, if he does kind of continue to improve his defensive um, side of his game, which he has done this season, to be fair to him, um, he might well become a, a kind of aggressive uh, wing-back um, when to, to be used um, when teams play five at the back, but yeah, I I, I can't help but feel um, from the kind of attributes I've seen of him, he's a he's a wide man. So if we'd played four two three one four four two four three three something like that, um, we might have, we might have seen even more of him. Well, do you remember at the start of the well, not sorry, not at the start of the season when Morgan with there was a week in there where we hadn't signed Callum Wright yet, and I think Morgan Whitaker is just recalled, and I remember having some conversations. I think with with B lot about well, if we don't sign anybody that's you know quite up to Whitaker's standard, thankfully Callum Wright has been 
in in a different way to Whitaker. Um, that we might even try and remember it, 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 it sort of the sort of wide forward ten ish position that we that we deploy in this formation. I think he's got terrific skill to play all over the pitch. And I believe when he first came, admittedly as like a seventeen year old, but when he first came into um the Sunderland side went um like quite a few years ago now. I think they played a few games with him in sort of defensive midfield. So he seems a player that bar maybe I mean you could play him in a back three in a centre back if pushed probably as well. But bar maybe like goalkeeper, I don't think there's any position that he can play sort of adequately on the pitch. Yeah obviously he came through uh Sunderland at you know centre mid you know, played Peter on loan at Peterborough, played on the wing, I believe. Uh, didn't have the most successful season there. Obviously, that's why, you know, dropped down to us. But, um, yeah, I think I think I struggle to see how he gets in the Norwich side, to be honest, because unless Max Aarons leaves, but then they play with a, you know, Wagner likes a, back, a flat back four. So not entirely sure that he would go back there and shine. Um, and I, I, you know, it might be tempting to see if they let him back, you know, if they, they're going to be pushing for promotion next season. Yeah, the only thing I would say was to be his wages are, are the big thing. I think reportedly he's on quite a lot of money and I'm not sure what the split is between us and Norwich but um, that might be the thing that stops us getting him. Otherwise, I would say yeah to that as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, whilst, whilst we're on it, obviously Cooper makes the, the team of the, the, the year. Um, Sam touched on it briefly about you know not getting that many minutes. I, I'm actually a little bit shocked to see him in there. I thought they would have gone Walton just because you know endless amount of clean sheets in a row or whatever it is now. Um, you know another Plymouth born bred. Well, Cooper's not Plymouth born, but uh, less said about that the better. Um, yeah, are we are we surprised to see Cooper in there at all? Do we think he still deserves it, right? Well, he's he showed last season he's he's the best keeper in League One, um, provided he comes back nearly as good as the player that he was pre-injury. Uh, he'll still be the best keeper in League One, I'm sure. Um, so it's a little bit of a surprise. I mean, yeah, there there were other options in there that have played more games than him, but um, I think whether it was a decision that was made, you know. <laughs> A fair amount of time ago, or whether it's just the fact that you know they've looked at the stats and looked at um, you know our xG against, which I think upon last looking had a, was kind of maybe only tenth best in the league or, or somewhere around there. I think it is um, suggesting and and the kind of um, you know the the visual kind of um, indicator of that when you watch games, you just see how many saves he makes. Um, so. It's it's a little bit of a surprise, but is a a good recognition of just what a quality goalkeeper he is. It's voted on by by players as well, so I, I, so I guess obviously a lot of it is voted on, um, kind of in advance of the time. So I and I guess um a lot of them would have only uh, would would have not would have had a few teams that have not played twice yet. So Cooper missing the minutes wouldn't be such a a big thing, and it's voted on you know, quite a while before the time. So I, I guess that comes into it as well. So, yeah, I am a little surprised. I thought it would be would have been either maybe Walton or Trafford. Just to be clear, I don't think those two have had a good season with Cooper, but they, they've both had good seasons and they've both played the full season. But I thought one of those two might nick it. But I'm delighted to be wrong. But I, I think how absolutely exceptional, like Dan said, Cooper's been when he was playing. He really deserves it. 
unless it's absence that makes the heart grow fonder and, and teams that we've played twice have gone, uh, where's your where's your really good keeper gone? Um, let's vote for him. Um, before it gets announced then, obviously Schumacher up against Kent McKenna and more for the award for manager of the season. Uh, who do you see winning it and why before it's announced? This can be a quick fire question because I think yeah, I've, oh, I've just got a horrible feeling it's going to be McKenna just because they play nice football and they win games four 0 and they've got great XG. I've just got a horrible feeling people are going to give it to McKenna just like again with it being player based as well. Ipswich are probably not a nice team to play against, you know, when they're in full flow. And I just feel that they might just have left a little bit more impression than Argyle. I really hope it's wrong. It absolutely should be Schumacher because we're, we're basically on a dead heat with, with Ipswich. We're one point ahead of them with a budget it's probably about a you know, quarter or a third of the size of there so up, absolutely categorically should be Schumacher horrible feeling it'll be McKenna I'll be disappointed if the likes of Charlton Peterborough and Burton and Port Vale don't vote for Schumacher after gifting them points this season <laughs> yeah uh, obviously it's Schumacher's to win but I think we all know it's going to go to McKenna but hopefully that'll break before we finish let's jump back on the Twitter questions then MJ12 Green Army says another one for the discussion. Uh, the decision not to increase season tickets next season. Are we taking a risk on missing out on guaranteed income, especially if we go up and performances drop? Can't, uh, can't see extra fans we have at the moment turning up week in, week out in that scenario. Um, no, I don't think so because, like, we've got 10,000. Yes, okay, we could, like, I mean, the, the sort of scenario we want at the moment, is for Argyle to go up and maybe have a couple of seasons in the Championship. And obviously, like when we were in the Championship for a bit before we got relegated, the 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 um attendances did decline because we weren't really going anywhere. But that's that's kind of what we want. That's kind of what we want because I think we're kind of expecting to be relegated next season if we do go up. Um, but like if you we've got ten thousand season tickets as it is at the moment, so you've got to have space for. People, you know, I would say that if we go up, there's probably another four thousand people at least wanting season tickets, and we got we've only got an eighteen thousand capacity, so we've got to have space for match tickets as well because that's just how it works. That's how you get extra revenue in. Um, you can't because then if you just have like one income coming in and it's like season tickets, it's like well, not every season ticket holder turns up every game anyway, and then you don't have any extra income coming in from just people that want to come to the occasional game against, I don't know, if we go up to the championship, someone like Stoke at home, which probably isn't going to be as popular as, say, I don't know, maybe Everton or Leeds away or, sorry, home. So I think we'll leave the uh, hypothetical who we're going to play from the Premier League until <laughs> until we're officially promoted. But, I, yeah, I get what you mean. Like, I, for one, am buzzing for Stoke at home. But, yeah, uh, I can <laughs> understand BTS asks views on pitch invasions. Dan, pitch invasions to celebrate promotions, not just in general. Yeah, they're becoming a, a, a kind of ever increasingly popular thing. I think if a team gets promoted now and there isn't a pitch invasion, you, it's it's very surprising. Yeah, it, I I know why. Um, I'm, I'm, I know Argyle put the the thing out about it uh, earlier this week, and I'm sure other clubs have as well. Uh, I know why they have to do it. Um, and they're kind of bound in that respect um, to to make sure, you know, kind of on safety grounds, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, you know, it, it it is a nice thing um, that 
that can happen in a, I guess, a reasonably safe manner. Um, put it this way: if we if we did have the opportunity and had we ended up going getting promoted uh, on Tuesday night against Bristol Rovers, that might have been a bit edgy because obviously it's a a little bit of a rivalry between the two of us. But you know what? If we invade the pitch against Burton Albion, I don't think uh, there's going to be any trouble between home and away fans, is there? It's yeah, I. It's always a nice thing to do. Got to be honest, uh, confession time. I may have ran on the pitch in uh, 2017 when we got promoted against Newport. Um, you know, sorry. Um, it's yeah, it, it's, a, it's I think as long as it's done, as long as everyone's sensible, I think it's just a just a nice thing to do. But I understand why the club are kind of bound in what they have to say. I think that's the problem. There's always one or two that just push it a bit too far, become absolute pricks and then like ruin it for everyone so yeah I agree with what Aaron said I, I also may or may not have um, ventured onto the pitch in 2017 but I I'll be honest I wouldn't dream of doing it again now just because there's just so many like you said there's just so many dickheads about it. there's always even in games like, even in the playoff games last season where there, where there weren't rivalries there's, there's always one idiot who just takes a swing at a player or takes a swing at one of the other team's coaching staff and it's, it just then becomes aggro for everybody, and it, I mean, it becomes an unsafe environment. And, and I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't do it. Um, you know, I, I, I I'm not going to say that people are doing it are all antisocial jobs, whatever. Because I think the vast majority do do it in a way to just celebrate promotion and have a bit of fun. And I think that that's yeah, what we've it definitely was. not been called yobs for a while. <laughs> no, that, that was very much a Derek Adamsism. But yeah, I, I certainly won't be doing it, and I and I don't think it's a it's a it's a good. Um, thing really in the current climate to do but it wouldn't be the most embarrassing pitch invasion we've had because that was definitely doing it for Cheltenham home after getting to the final of the Peaks and Cup so it certainly wouldn't be let, wouldn't be any more embarrassing than that one Yeah it's it's almost one of those things that like yeah fair enough emotion takes over whatever but and everybody else is doing it but it's just not worth risking you know they're going to make examples of some people you're going to miss out on championship football Ah, it's just not, it's not really worth, is it? That's 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 where I'm at. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Look, but yeah, yeah, do what you want within the law, obviously. <laughs> Last question from the Green Wave: uh, Are we going to get shit housed by Rovers on Tuesday? <laughs> Maybe. I have confidence in in the team. Um, the only little bit of apprehension I may have, and this was the game I was most nervous for, and still am in the running, even including Port Vale away, especially now that they, they basically confirmed their safety. Um, the is, Joey Barton has admitted that he hates us. And I know I know that didn't go down too well with the Rovers fans. They were like, well, why are you saying that? It's not really that deep, to be honest. But um, the he is a very competitive individual and actually a good manager. And they do have some players to hurt us. Um, but I just think we're in such a a good position, like, you know, a, a great position. And um, I think, why you know, we're all, we're all desperate for us, for us to get promoted, but we are literally the best team at home in League One. So there is, we've got two games now at home against teams that aren't playing for anything. So we, we couldn't be in a better position, really. So I'm still confident that we're going to do it. Yeah, it's absolutely huge. Thoughts ahead of uh, Tuesday, Dan or Sam? Uh, go on, then I'll, I'll jump in. Um, I still think we're going to do it, but I, I think we're going to not do it the easy way. I think Argyle being Argyle, I'm going to drag it out to Port Vale. I think we're going to draw on Tuesday. 
which will put us um, three points ahead of Wednesday on equal games. And then I think we'll both win on Saturday, which will need us going into Val, needing a point for promotion. That's that's how I'm calling it. Yeah, I'm just scrutinising the league table over and over and over again and playing out scenarios in my head in which, <laughs> in which you know, it happens and it doesn't happen and we need to certain people to help us out. And yeah, it's not healthy, let's put it that way. Um, but I is hoping that come this time next week, we are up. Um, yeah, do we have any news on, on Manager of the Year yet? They're doing some community awards at the moment, so I assume that's going to be left quite late. As of time of recording, we are either going to be, yeah, we're, we're either going to be delighted Schumacher's won it and rightfully congratulating him, or there is going to be a big, big Twitter storm playing out if McKenna's won it. And if Darren Moore and if Darren Moore's won it, we'll have all collapsed in shock. <laughs> I, think, I think if Darren Moore wins it, I think Sheffield Wednesday fans will be on Twitter. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't seem to be particularly happy with the guy for whatever reason. Can't see Darren Moore winning it, but like like you said earlier, Sam, it depends on when it's voted for. Uh, before we go, obviously, commiserations to the women's side after losing the Devon FA Cup final on penalties to them up the road. Uh, Rosie Train got Argyle back into it with a 90th minute equaliser before coming agonisingly close to silverware to uh, uh, losing on penalties. Uh, we have the the Wayne Train, and I saw there's quite a few people on Twitter, uh, creating Rosie Train-based memes, um, which were quite funny. I think that's enough for tonight. Anything else to add? No? Shoot, we'll reconvene after Rovers on Tuesday. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Cheers, guys. With that brings a close to another Green and White pod brought to you by Argyle Life. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, like on Facebook and keep up to date with all things Argyle by checking out www.argyle.life. As always with all listens, old and new, we really appreciate if you could leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. Every rating helps us beat that algorithm. See you next week. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans